Hello and welcome to BakaCast. Uh, this will be the sweet episode 385. We're getting so very close to 900. I'm your host, Dustin. Hey, hey Dustin, and... that's that's uh, a bit of ways there. Uh, oh, not 900. 300, 400. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking 390 and then just said 900 instead of either 390 or 400. <laughs> Were you on a Fujita sniffing over 9,000 stuff again? My my future self actually just quickly took over my consciousness. I got <laughs> yeah, I got norted by my future self. <laughs> wait, wait. If we do 9,000 shows, do you have realize that you guys will probably be close to my current age by the time we finish 9,000? Just saying. I mean, if we get to 9,000, I feel like that would only be possible if... If we suddenly started recording way more frequently, uh, or if we uncovered the secret to like transplanting our minds into cybernetic bodies, which Aaron and I would a hundred percent do. Oh hell yes! By the way, even if we did a podcast every day, it would still take twenty-four years. Yeah, that would be. Who boy, that, that would take a while. Uh, um, thank you, thank you, Mister Mathematician. I'm not sure I want to talk about anime for that long. All right, shall we, shall we go with the real introductions now that we got <coughs> Yeah, so I think I introduced Larry already, uh, so Ben's also here. Oh, yeah. And so is Aaron. He was talking for a bit there. I don't know what you're talking um, about. He was doing the math for me. Uh, for some reason, anime has made, uh, has made uh, you enumerate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> On this episode of VodkaCast, we aren't going to be uh, uh, reviewing a previous show. Instead, we're uh, going to go back to doing some seasonal reviews this time, at least for this season, because uh, there's a bunch of stuff, uh, cool stuff that came out um, that was largely spurred by both One Punch Man and Fruits Basket suddenly getting a, re- a remake for some reason. And we were I-, I don't know why someone decided... In the year 2019, hey, let's make fruits fruits basket again. But I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's Gunsmoke and Lost in Space and everything else. I mean, you know, the Japanese aren't stupid. They they know how to make a, a winner out of a cash, cash cow. Also, we were supposed I, to be reviewing Chihaya Furu, but that's now October. Yeah, we we were hoping to do Chihaya Furu as well, but that got got pushed back because monkey's paw um <laughs> so uh, we're going to be reviewing a few shows uh, this week and then trimming the list down uh, to a solid like four or five um let's go ahead and start well actually before we start hey show notes you can find them at www.projectharhi.net or at audioentropy.com uh let's talk about kimetsu no yaiba episodes one and two um, also called Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba on Crunchyroll. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the basically the uh, <laughs> yeah that I mean that's that's pretty uh, that's a pretty accurate representation of what the show is. Although proper translation of the title would be like Blade of Demon Destruction. All right, I, that that sounds pretty badass. I kind of like that more. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kimetsu no Yaiba uh, is just the basic premise. Uh, it's a show where you've got a plucky and well-intentioned, if dumb as a brick, male protagonist. Um, his family gets murdered by demons, and he 
and also his sister becomes a demon and he sets out on a quest to heal his sister of her demonness. Uh and that's a pretty good sort of it's a shonen show, so you can explain it in like two sentences at most. Um I do like this show so far. Um I dig the fight scenes. I was initially worried by the sister just becoming this sort of uh, object to carry around in the first episode, but in the second episode, she kicks a man's head off like a soccer ball, and I was very into that. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm sort of frustrated by the main character being just so very slow, um, but I'm sh- I'm. Sh- I'm assuming that will get better as the show goes on. <laughs> You're watching Shonen, Dustin. Okay, it'll get better after the fifth season? Sixth. <laughs> I don't know how many seasons this thing has. Uh, anyway, it, well, the manga has uh, oh, got over 100 chapters. Oh, okay. It's, so, well, it's, so you mean it might actually get is it Is it ongoing? Yes, it's still ongoing. It's uh, okay. it's, it's serial it's serialized <laughs> in Shonen Jump. All right, so this may take a while then. Well, gotcha. the chapters aren't that long. Like I said, we uh, might get twenty four out of it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do like the show. It's certainly one of the. It certainly hooks me a lot better than some other Shonen shows I've tried to get into. Um, of course. There's a lot of shows that had shonen shows that had good beginnings. Looking at you, Bleach, that I eventually gave up on. Um, you know, Bleach didn't get bad until after like episode 167. I gave up on it long ended. before there. I'll be honest. Yeah, I was gonna say that's when Inuyasha ended. <laughs> no, uh, Inu- Inuyasha. Okay, Inuyasha paused until the manga was finished. And then it restarted. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it ended at 167, and then the new series took off for 24 more shows. See, that magic 24 again. It was 26. Whatever. Close enough. <laughs> uh, do not attempt to defeat Ben in a Shonen off. He will always win. It <laughs> Do, doesn't uh, matter. I made my point. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, I certainly have, you know, my issues with it. Again, I'm not really sold on the male protagonist, um, Tanjiro, I think his name is. Yep. Um, Nezuko seems fine, but also she doesn't get to speak. But the, like, the body language she uses is pretty nice. Um, especially at the start of episode two, where... Tanjiro's like looking into the cave and being like, "Hey!" After he finished making uh, making a basket for her, I was like, "Hey, where'd you go?" Because he didn't see her, and then like she peeks her head out of a hole, uh, and it's just a really, it's just a really sort of cute and funny like visual gag there. Um, but yeah, it's it is weird that I'm I'm more attached to Nezuko a character who does not speak and spends most of her time in a basket because otherwise she'll get 
disintegrated by sunlight than I am with the actual main character. <laughs> but that's shonen for you. Well, yeah, that's the thing is that, is that the main character is sort of like, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. The main the main character is definitely not the most interesting part of the show. I mean, he has his moments, but uh, but it's mainly the it's mainly the way the other characters bounce off of him that uh, that makes the show that makes the show as good makes the series as good as it is. That's one yeah. of the biggest problems I have with Shonen, is that the side characters are almost always far more interesting than the main character. Yeah, yeah. Even in Hunter x Hunter, where I think Gon is one of the stronger, you know, sort of generic Shonen protagonists that have been made, like, Killua is still way more interesting than him, <laughs> as are quite a few other side characters. Well, well, yeah, well, that's the thing. It's almost, a, with, with Hunter x Hunter, it's almost at the point where Kilo is sort of more like a co-protagonist. Yeah. I'd say probably the only... One of the only shonen shows where I actually do care a lot about the mag, the main protagonist is My Hero Academy. Like, they actually made Deku a character that I really, really like. Um, and I'm invested in. Which is fairly unusual for me and shonen shows. At least the long-running shonen shows. So, points to My Hero Academy, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I will definitely watch more of Kimetsu no Yaiba. I didn't quite finish the second episode before uh, we started, but, I mean, it, he's just going into, like, protagonist training now. So, I can pretty much guess what's going to happen. Um, I'll probably enjoy it well enough. Um, I'm just not sure how much discussion I can really wring from it. I will see, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'll give it. I'll give it a four. Like I think it's a. I think it's pretty solid for a shonen yeah. show. Yeah. So far, I, I I haven't finished the second episode either, and uh, so I'm gonna give it a four. The first episode. All right. Uh, let's talk about One Punch Man season two, episodes one and two. Um, a show that. I know a lot of people were worried about because uh, JC staff was taking over from um, Madhouse. And, you know, JC staff can do good work, but um, Madhouse really made something special and really impressive with season one. Um, I know I have heard, I've seen a lot of people who were very disappointed and felt very let down by these first couple episodes. I don't necessarily agree with that position. Um, I think you can definitely make a solid case that the production values and comedic timing of season two are worse than they were with Madhouse's production. But I still really enjoyed my time with oh, wow. these episodes. Well, so they're, they're, they're getting on a roll, though. This is this is you know the, we got the first two episodes. We got a lot of information handed to us that was like oh. So there wasn't but, really yeah. time to do comedic timing per se. Right. Okay. So yeah. Well, the big thing—it's not just the—it's not just the studio that's changed. It's the director. And so the thing about the direct the director. Well, of the, I mean, I sort of figured yeah. that if they're changing studios, the director is well, also changing. That's, that's not always the case. Sometimes, even when they change, sometimes when they change studios, the director, the director stays stays up. Uh, but. Uh, 
Yeah, but in this case, yeah, it was not the case. Uh, because like, the director of the uh, the first season, uh, uh, Shingo Natsume, he he has uh, he is uh, well, he's incredibly good at, at getting at getting really uh, great animators to work with him, and that's what made the first season so special. Um, and uh, this new director just didn't have that. And, but so the thing was, is, is that yeah the, uh, you know I think yeah the the first uh, the first couple episodes of this new season, you know they're I mean the direction is fine but not stellar, but yeah uh you know same 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 for the animation and everything like that and the you know the production side of it, but the story is still great because it comes down to the writing. And that goes back to uh, the original source material. Yeah, because like no one really read the original One Punch Man comic for the amazing art. Like, it is impressive in its own way, but it's it's not like it, it, the art in the original pun- One Punch Man isn't really comparable at all. Isn't analogous to the directing of Madhouse, uh, the directing that Madhouse did. Well, uh, that that's. Well, they like, did. Um, they did read they the. Did, they did read the rebooted. The rebooted One Punch Man for the art. Oh yeah, clearly because that was amazing. Yeah, but also like yeah, I get like you said the the main draw of that original comic and and of the sort of more recent chapters that because I don't think, uh, I'm pretty sure the that one that one's art is still like ahead of. Uh, in the story of where sort of the redrawn chapters are, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Um, Though he has gotten better as time has gone on. But, like, yeah, the the, the art really isn't why you necessarily come to One Punch Man. And it's not going to... I don't think the J.C. Staff season is going to light up the Sakuga blogs like the Madhouse season did. But I'm still gonna enjoy myself. Like, I don't know. I I can understand being disappointed, but personally, I don't really mind that much. Yeah, you know what? What I enjoyed is Saitama and Sonic are still at it. Yay! Genos is now getting pieces from wherever he can find them. This guy. I still really love Genos. This, this Garo and, guy, this, this Garo guy, seems to have a uh, building perched upon his shoulder, going, "Yeah, knock it off, knock it off." And then and, uh, we come, we go, come to find out, uh, Sumaki has a uh, sister, Fubuki, that's uh, all in awesome fear of her sister. Now we don't know if she's the older sister or the younger sister, but she's in fear of her sister. And then we get introduced to King. Yeah, right. I I distinctly remember when we were talking about when we were talking about the first season, you know, because like King showed up as a minor character in like the yeah, last few I think episodes. He up, yeah, he showed up very briefly in like the very last arc yes. with the alien invasion. <clears throat> right. And and uh, I remember I remember because I'd read I you know, I'd read ahead in the I'd read ahead in the manga at this point at that point and I was like Okay, and you're and you're and you know everybody's like, okay, what's up with King? It's like, what's he doing there? And uh, and I was like, yes, uh, it will be explained what King's deal is. And in fact, 
yes, they explain what King's deal is. Yeah, it his turns, deal is that he's a fake. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that it turns out that uh, he doesn't actually have any superpowers. He's just really lucky that. It's, yeah, it's a case of being in the yeah. right place at the right time. Yeah, he's like the mirror image of of Moomin Rider, who also has no powers, but like does not have King's luck, so he constantly gets beaten up for his efforts. Uh, like, King has no powers, but he gets lucky, so everyone reveres him. <laughs> so it's an interesting, like, parallel there. Uh, yeah. Also, I really like Garo. Garo kind of reminds me of um, Stain from My Hero Academy, because at least in this early portion, he seems to be s- serving a similar purpose. Um, where he specifically does not respect heroes, uh, and especially, especially in the One Punch Man universe, the hero association like super sucks. Like, there's a co- lot of corrupt people in there in a way that uh, My Hero Academy, the My Hero Academy universe, like doesn't come close. Like, you've got some assholes in that world, like Todoroki's father. But for the most part, they're good people who screw up sometimes. Like, in One Punch Man, maybe, like, 40-50% to of the heroes are either fakes or people who are out just looking out for themselves and will step on other heroes to get what they want. Which is exemplified by... uh, By... Baldi's encounter with uh, the Hell Blizzard. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes. Saitama and Fubuki. That was. That was a great. That was a great bit. Especially when she sicked the goons on him, and the goons went flying. Yeah, or like when Genos and King show up, and like she knows. Like what their ranks are, and she's like, "Why is Genos being deferential to him? He's S class, and why is King? Why is he talking so casually to King?" Well, him and King seem to have a history. <laughs> it's called video. Well, games. not really. Like they they just met basically. Plus, well, actually, oh wait, no, you're wrong. You're you're right. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I forgot about the flashback sequence. It's just that Saitama doesn't remember him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that was actually a cool, cool sequence where, like, uh, King was sort of, like, running scared from a monster, and he sees Saitama all bloodied up before he lost all his hair. Yeah. So that's, that's, so that was a neat callback. Right. Uh, also, Super Sonico is getting... <laughs> Su- or not Super Sonico, that's a different character. <laughs> uh, Speed of Sound Sonic. Speed of Sound Sonic is getting more to do. <laughs> Can you imagine Super Sonico in that outfit? Good lord. No, no, um, no, you gotta go back to uh, Blood Blattle Blockade and then you got a Speed of Sonic. Never mind. But yeah, Speed of Sound Sonic is getting more stuff to do and has also powered up because, like, he can actually. Um, threaten Genos now. Well, like I said, Genos walking around grabbing bits and pieces from monsters and going to the doc. He goes, "Hey, doc, can you uh, integrate this and integrate that?" 
I'm afraid somewhere along the line, D Genos is going to get some defective parts, and then uh, Saitama may have to uh, square off against him. Maybe. I, I hope they don't go that route, though, because that seems like the the most obvious route. I know. And that's why and I, I kind of like I kind of like an arc that was just Genos going like just becoming more not necessarily body horror esque but more like blurring the line between blurring the line of like what is a human. Um, I can see one going that direction. I I would be kind of disappointed if like they went for the very you know well-trod route of like oh you uh, you shouldn't be putting this stuff in you because it'll turn you evil yeah they're not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can relax on that count all right good but yeah i i like the direction this arc is going i like king's dynamic a lot i like how he interacts with saitama uh, and the fact that he's this intimidated guy who also is a friggin nerd who plays game who plays air like visual novels about little sisters yeah. I think otaku <laughs> might be the word yeah he's yeah uh and i like the sort of arc that's happening with the hero society and garo just being like you all suck i'm gonna start murdering you sure works for um me. yeah i'm i'm oh, gonna wow. give these episodes fours like yeah. it in a way, it is like hard not to compare them to the Madhouse production, but I'm still enjoying myself. Well, I'm I'm kind of taking this as a reboot, and I'm going to give them fours too because I'm still waiting for a couple other characters to show up to see how how their interaction. It's going to depend if the scriptwriters stayed the same or they're following the storyline and not going too far off. This should be okay, but if they, somebody yeah. decides to do some anime original or jump off the storyline this could end up being a train wreck ready to fall off the rails uh, i don't think i don't think they need to do any anime original because the manga is way ahead yeah they waited a long time to start it up again so that that would have been would have been a concern if they had started immediately after the first season ended but like they well, waited long enough at this the, point the, the only thing i'm fine. saying is we've watched enough anime where there was plenty of source and all of a sudden a anime original series just came out of nowhere is that hi yeah we, we, I, it, yeah we were, we were all having good sake one night and decided to do this <laughs> Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah it's possible but i i, I, I don't want it to it. happen i don't want it to happen they generally do the, the that kind of thing they generally do when they know that they're eventually going to they're 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 eventually going to catch up to the manga and they're planning ahead. Um, yeah. The but with this one, they're still way behind. They're still way behind the manga. Um, but see, and, I didn't know that. That's anyway. I'm going to give these episodes fives, low fives, but still fives. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the, uh, uh, speaking of, like, reboots, uh, Fruits Basket, Episodes 1 and 2, uh, which is being reanimated by, which studio was this? Uh, looking. Uh, TMS, I, I should have TMS. looked this up before. TMS Entertainment. Ah, okay. So I'm trying to think what else they they did. They do. Before. They did Lupin and Megalobox. Oh, okay. All right. 
yeah, so that that makes sense. TMS usually does pretty solid work, um, and yeah, the show looks good. Um, it also feels paced slightly better than the first one is, but it's been so long since I watched that first Fruits Basket that I may just mis- be misremembering. Um, I never watched the first first ba- Fruits Basket. I just read the manga. I and... also totally forgot about um, the main character's friends, like the the oh. two sort of delinquent girls. Oh, they're so they're awesome! I love them. Yeah, I forgot how totally rad they are. <laughs> ah. Yes, I. Uh, uh... I also totally forgot what Toru's backstory was. That like she start she started out living in a friggin' tent because her mom's dead, and like. <laughs> I forgot that it starts out kind of like dark for Toru. Well, yeah, she's she's kind of had an interesting life. You know, and and that's what's yeah, that's what's great about it is that yeah, it's like anybody else but Toru just would have been insufferable, but you know, but Toru still keeps it together and still 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 stays positive. Even when she's living in a tent. Yeah. Living in a I, I guess it's a good thing that the guys rescued her from the tent because uh, the next oh, sequence, yeah. the next sequence uh, would have been uh, Toru-less, maybe. Oh yeah, she would have been crushed by like a mudslide or whatever that was. Yep. Um, so yeah, I... <laughs> One thing this is reminding me of, though, that... Uh, I, uh, I, I, I seem to recall that back in the day, I was a Toru Yuki shipper, um, and that still remains the same. I still, I still don't like Kyo. Well, yeah, Kyo, uh, Kyo definitely doesn't put his best foot forward in the early yeah, episodes. Yeah, he's straight up abusive in these first couple episodes. Well, because... You know his position. He he was the one who was left out of the uh, of the formation. Well, yeah, he he's got he's got right. He's got reasons for why he's such a dick, but he's still a dick. Yeah, I I seem to remember that even later on in the series, like by the time the uh, original adaptation ended, which wasn't where the manga finished it didn't finish the story i seem to remember i still like didn't really like kyo that much as a romantic partner so we'll i'll be interested to see if my opinions change this time around uh, yeah i'm skeptical that they will well but... okay well the thing about that is the reason why the original anime didn't finish was because the manga wasn't even finished at that point uh, oh, okay. Um, I see. Yeah, it, is that they were they were they were adapting it like right when the manga was in the middle of its run, uh, and so the manga only finished after the anime had, uh, the anime had ended, and so they actually like the uh, the makers of the anime had kind of you know had basically tried to. <laughs> You know, try. They had caught up to the manga, and they tried to extend. They tried to, you know, they tried to like, you know, figure out what's going to happen next. But uh, yeah, they didn't get to it. They uh, 
they didn't get it. And but yeah, I'm and, and yeah, they they changed a bunch of stuff. They changed they changed a bunch of stuff because like it was uh because uh, that like it was dependent on reveals that would that were going to happen later in the manga, but hadn't been written but hadn't been oh. written yet. Okay, so so it's almost like a like. It's almost like what happened with the original Fullmetal Alchemist adaptation, then? Yes. Uh, so, essentially, oh. what's happening is that Fruits Basket is getting the Brotherhood treatment. Yes. Fruits Basket Sisterhood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think what's espe- especially... Uh, yeah, the big change is uh, the neat, is, uh, is uh, Akito's development. Yes. Because, uh, the, because the later parts of the manga really get into, like, what Akito's deal is. Yes, well, I posted posted the spoiler, which did spoil, but whatever. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, obviously, and, of course, uh, Kyo's character development, Kyo's character development continues, and he actually becomes, you know, a worthy, a worthy romantic partner for, uh, for, uh, Toru, by the end. But, it's uh, but it's okay. a, it, it's like it's a long process of development. <laughs> well, uh, I am I glad to. I'm, I yeah, I really like these episodes. It is pretty impressive how because like normally when you're looking at a show that's as old when you're looking at a story that's as old as Fruits Basket is because the manga came out in it started well it started coming out in ninety eight, which was over 20 years ago yeah um there's like some dated stuff in there that just really hasn't aged well which i mean we might get to that you know i I barely remember the storyline honestly so there might be stuff in there uh but these first two episodes (laughs) the way the story is structured like it it feels on like on par or in some cases better than sort of the the male harem shows that we've been getting like in modern times like if 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 the original fruits basket didn't exist this show would not feel out of place just airing now which is pretty impressive i think that's what they were after when they did the reboot yeah yeah i'm it, it is uh it is like a really it's sort of make, making me think like oh yeah this even though i sort of connect it with a specific period in my life um as one of like the first anime i, I ever watched actually uh it's it does feel watching it today i'm like oh this is kind of a timeless show it's one of those rarities uh, and uh it's certainly one of one of the better of this genre. Well, yes. The thing is, is that, you know, it's old enough that, you know, and like, it was, you know, popular enough that basically later shoujo, later shoujo series sort of learned from it. And, and, and just the way, just the way, like, you know, later, uh, you know, just like just the way like later shonen learned from Jojo. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm actually like it's funny cuz I'm I'm more excited than I thought I would be 
to like watch this show again because <laughs> if you because like if you would ask me like hey dustin like what shows would you most want to see get a remake i don't think i even even would have considered fruit fruits basket but yeah. like now that i'm watching it i'm like oh yeah i'm got i'm glad this got a remake <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's the thing, is that, you know, when, like, I was thinking of, like, shows that should get, like, the Brotherhood treatment, you know, I was thinking of, like, I remember, I remember we were talking, I remember, like, way back when, you were in a, uh, you know, in a, uh, like, a a discussion question that we were answering, like, a reader question, we were, uh, we, uh, we were talking about, like, you know, it's like, what sort of, what sort of anime would you want to make, and I was like, and uh, one of my one of my choices was giving uh, giving Soul Eater the Brotherhood treatment because that's oh, a, like yeah. that was another case of a show of a of a show where the where the anime came out when the manga was in the middle of its run, and so like the anime had an ending. In Soul Eater's case, it was actually a pretty conclusive ending, but you know, but you know, but the manga went on like way longer and had a much different ending. Yeah. Uh, also, if this does well, it would be kind of neat if they started like adapting more of uh, Natsuki T- uh, Takaya's work. Um, what else has she done? Uh, so she actually recently came out with a. Um, well, in 2015, she started. Uh, she worked on a, a sequel to Fruits Basket called Fruits Basket Fruits Basket Another, which seems like an obvious choice if uh, you know this does well. Uh... But she also did one that seems interesting called. Uh, uh, Lisa Lot and Witch's Forest, which is a fantasy shoujo romance. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> uh, which uh, which um, for the first graphic novel, um, Anime News Network gave it a pretty solid review. I think like B's across the board. Huh. Okay. So that would be also that would also be kind of neat to see, um, just like more of her work getting adapted. Oh yeah, they. <laughs> That seems to be the standard pro. The st- seems to be the standard procedure is that like when uh, like one uh, manga by an author gets uh, gets popular, they like <laughs> they look at the other other series that other series by that author, and like they start just churning them out. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully this does well because I'd like to see more more of her stuff get adapted because I do like her her writing style. Um. Yeah. I'm gonna give these episodes. I'm gonna give them fives. Actually, like I can't think of any like real issues I had with them. I mean, they looked nice. They were paced well. Uh, I still like the humor in them. Um, it was. It's still funny to me to see Toru accidentally turn them into animals and then have them just like suddenly, like their clothes are just lying everywhere. But like the first time they turned back was the shocker for her. The animal transform the animal transformation sequences, the way they're animated is so dumb. I just it just like takes me out of it. It just like breaks my breaks my immersion right there. I kind of love that. It's <laughs> it's it's kind of dumb in a way I like. <laughs> I'm gonna give them fours. Yeah, I'm gonna give them fours. All right. Um, I was not expecting myself to be this high on fruits basket, but <laughs> surprise. Anyway, well there you go. Let 
Let's talk about Fairy Gone, episodes one and two. Um, the new show from PA Works, which is kind of a debar- departure from stuff we've seen them do in the past. Um, especially since, like, a- most of the characters are adults, and it's also a lot more of a straightforward... It's a lot more of an action series. Uh, went into this kind of thinking, okay, and... After the village was burned to the ground, it's like, uh, okay, this is going to end up like, uh, and it's kind of surprising so far how it's ended up. Fairy Gone is definitely one of those premises that sounds both unique and also generic enough that it could go either way and be like either totally forgettable or really interesting. Um... So I sort of went into it, especially since it's from PA Works, who, like, I've had a mixed history with, with, like, a lot of their stuff I like a lot, but also there's plenty that I just do not care about. Um, And I'm glad to say I really enjoyed this show. It was a lot of fun, actually, and it looks very pretty. And the fairies are essentially, well, they're... I hesitate to call them stands because, like, their powers are not nearly as wild as stand powers are, but they kind of work the same way in terms of how they're summoned. I guess more like personas, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, yeah, of course, personas were just uh, personas were just like you know modified versions of stands. Yeah, I'm saying personas because personas yeah. are a lot more straightforward than stands are. Oh, yeah. They're just more straight up like they do magic um, and hit people occasionally. Uh, this one but is- yeah, I I like the visuals on this and I like the premise and the characters seem neat and it's got a really good soundtrack actually. That's I think what I was most surprised by. Huh. You know, this isn't the first action show that PA Works has done. Oh yeah, they they've done some others like um, Shirobako was one, right? That was no, the mecha Shirobako one. Was no, that was think a different one. Kurumukuro was the Kurumukuro was the mecha show that they did. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, it's just not what you're. It's just not what they're typically known for. Yeah, the. Uh, they they also did Serious the Jager Serious the Jager, which is basically well, it's on Netflix I now. Totally forgot that's a thing that exists. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because uh, they didn't promote it that well, and it it so it basically languished it, it basically languished in Netflix jail. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the stuff that Netflix gets is not promoted well, which is a shame because yeah. like there is some decent stuff that Netflix gets that they fail to promote and also it doesn't help that like they never simulcast these things they just wait until it's all out in japan and then put the whole show up which is just it's such a bad idea well it some of that stuff yeah right marathoning it which if you find it all in one place you have a tendency to do marathoning some shows ruin them yeah like I get that Netflix's thing is saying, like, here you go, here's an entire season, but there are just some things that you shouldn't do that for. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, getting back to Fairy Gun, I think yeah. 
like there there some aspects of it that didn't completely grab me, but I'm still intrigued by the whole thing, and you know, and I still like it. I don't love it though. Well, the biggest yeah. thing is, is Mario's gonna when she finally gets with uh, Veronica and and finds out why she changed. Will she be able to change her back, or is she gonna have to end up killing her? Yeah. Also, well, I do. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty easy question to answer. She's gonna be able to change back, and the uh, the male main characters, his buddy is not. I'll predict that right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, no, Putting you know, that I, one Wolf, on the docket. Yeah, Wolf looks like he's pretty well uh, uh, cast into yeah. stone there, so I would agree with Aaron. On yeah. That one. Yes. Yeah, so I, I suspect what's going to happen is that uh, Marley is and is going to end up joining Veronica's cause. Yeah, I don't think that, so. That, hmm, I don't know. Well, I, I need to rewatch the episodes because I'm still a little. Because when I watched it before, I think I missed some details about like what the central political conflict is. So okay. at least after the war ended, so I think I'm going to need to rewatch to remind myself. Just, just uh, well, the central up. conflict is people want more war. Okay. Oh, and, okay. And, All right. Well, the, uh, thank you. And that, and well, okay. Well, the, the big the thing is is that what's ha- what happened was is that you know the war came to an end with a. A settlement that a bunch of people were not satisfied with. So they're trying to restart the war. They're trying to restart the war so they can get more of what they want. Hey, where have we heard that before? Yeah, uh, just so you know, the Fairy Gone is going to be two core. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That's interesting. I think they're Uh, probably going to need that because uh, it seems because, like, they're getting into, like, you know, all these, like, you know... It, you know they're they're, I mean they're they they seem to be telling a more a more complex story. Yeah, it does feel like they're setting up a lot of pieces and characters. So and see that's I why was... I was saying I, that's why I was saying the the Mari Veronica thing may be one thing. I, but I'm with Aaron on Wolf. Wolf looks like uh, after and see the problem is is his friend doesn't know that the wife and the daughter are dead, and that may change his outlook on trying to change him back too. Yeah, I think I really like these ones for how they set up. I feel like they jumped around a little too much for no real benefit. Um, uh, yeah, but, I can see that. That might that might be why I I felt like I got like I missed some stuff. It, it felt like they made stuff more complex than what was needed. Yeah. Um. Um. I and I was curious i i was expecting them to do like what normally happens is a few sort of self-contained episodes and then get onto the main plot as opposed to yeah. this where it just went immediately into the main yeah. plot they just they jumped right in it like immediately after that sort of um cold open with the end of the war they just get right into it <laughs> i i also really like that they completely skipped over her training sequence Oh yeah. Where it was just like, hey, she can shoot well, and this is her summoning her persona, and okay, we're good. Next. Well, yeah. well, well. That was the thing is that she was uh, when she was recruit at the time she was recruited, she had already known how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, she was taught by those who. Yeah. Yeah, it was just nice to not need an episode of her proving herself. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Also, this is purely cosmetic, but I do love the names in this show. Like, Marlia Noel, Free Underbar, <laughs> Veronica Thorne. They're very Wolfren, silly. Wolfren Rowe. It's, it, they're perfect. I love them. <laughs> well, yeah, what... What? They're they're like they're like the, the sort of they managed to hit that perfect um your friends are making D and D characters aesthetic <laughs> for the names and also one of them is and also one of your friends is a furry so that's why one of his name one of them is named Wolf and Row. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, uh, for my D and D characters, I mostly use uh, I mostly use Japanese words that. <laughs> that are that are thematically appropriate for the characters. Of course you do. <laughs> um, you know. But yeah, like you know what I'm saying. These names sort of like straddle that line of like vaguely real and also fantasy sounding. Like it, it's it's perfect for the aesthetic they're going for. What's, I love yeah, them. What, what I what I what I like about it is the setting because it's not your typical fantasy setting where. You know, it's like, okay, they've got fairies, but, like, they're sort of in the process of, like, turning fairies into a technology. And, yeah. And they've also got, in, and they've also got, like, industry and, like, trains and guns. So it's it, like... It feels like a, like, dystopian parallel universe of um, the ancient Magus's Bride. Because that, because that show also had a melding of sort of modern industrial day with a magical world. Though that show leaned, in that show, the magical world had a lot more of a presence. Whereas this like one is the industrial world has like pretty much taken over with some vestiges of sort of the magical natural world still remaining. Yeah, but you know, the the, the transports kind of reminded me of modified Tachikomas. Those transports were weird. <laughs> they I'm were not entirely rad. sure the purpose of them. They're just, they feel like they came out of, like, Alice in Wonderland, where they're just, like, they're cars with caterpillar legs. Because, yeah. sure. I guess they, I guess they hadn't invented, I guess they hadn't invented the in- internal combustion engine. Yeah, what's an axle? We don't know. But then what makes them run? Magic. Very magic. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I mean, what else would move the legs? I, I don't know, but it it was weird. Because, well, like, they can also clearly... They also seem to be able to navigate on their own as well. Or maybe they are being driven? I can't remember. No, they, they were being driven. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. They're just weird, man. Well, it's what it basically is. Okay, the, the cars are basically carts where the horses are replaced by these the, like things. Yeah, yeah but the car the the car is also the horse now. Anyway. They looked at a horse and we're just, and we're just like, what if we could make this out of metal? Uh-huh. <laughs> Who needs wheels? Well, they have wheels. The uh, the cart the cart part has wheels, but it's just a <laughs> yeah. That's another. Oh, okay, you're right. Now I'm even more confused. Why does only half of it have wheels? Because they haven't come up with drive shafts yet. Yeah, it, like I said, it doesn't 
make any sense, but I mean, why does I what, don't think about it too why hard. Why does a horse and wagon have axles and no, you know, figure the front don't, end of like a horse all right. and the rest of it like a wagon, and then you're good. Okay, all right. I mean, then the other guy just ri- straight up rides an animal. Yeah. Or not don't an animal. Sorry, hard. motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Very gone. But they do have an internal combustion engine. Otherwise, the motorcycle yeah. would not be practical. Yeah, God, th- I don't th- know. this is why I'm confused. Fair enough. Very <laughs> gone. Fun show. The vehicles make no sense. So I'll I give did. it four. four. Yeah, we give them fours. I'm going to yeah. give it a four. Yeah. Second episode was good. I do like the introduction of the two support characters, the sniper and the spotter. Yes. Oh, yeah. Those were both good and competent, and the actual fight scenes were mostly good, especially yep. with uh, the girl whose name I can't remember now. Which one? Um, Which one? The blonde? The main the... character. Marlia. Oh, uh, Mar- uh, Marlia Noel. Yeah. Um, With her initially not being able to fire any shots because he's in way too close combat with her uh, friend, co-worker. Oh, yeah, for, for fear of, like, shoot friendly fire. Yeah, exactly. But then he stays still for a while, and she doesn't shoot. And I was just like, ah, you guys were so close. Well, Serge's <laughs> weapon is kind of interesting, too. It, it does a lot of damage at a... Uh, and Clara's, Clara's fairy is cute, the, the, the little spy. It did adorable little frog. Yes, it is. All right, so uh, where are we going next? Uh, Carol and Tuesday, um, which is a show which, that I almost oh, didn't watch. Yeah, which I'm I'm an idiot. Um, Fairy Gone is not being streamed by Netflix. Fairy Gone is being streamed on yeah. Hulu, actually. I yes, believe so were, Carol and Tuesday is the Netflix one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. What, what, the reason that came up was because uh, PA Works' previous show, Serious the Jager, that was yeah, that was, was ne- that was a Netflix show. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Carol on Tuesday is the latest show from uh, incredibly famous director Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, And, yo, this show rules. Well, Bones (laughs) is doing it, so it's like, okay. Yeah, also Bones is doing it, and it looks so good. Uh, Brief brief, uh, plot summary. Carol on Tuesday are about two, uh, uh, two, I think teenage yep. possibly yes. college age girls named carol and tuesday yep. uh carol who sort of is uh, grown up as a uh underprivileged girl just trying to make ends meet uh tuesday came comes from a ludicrously rich family uh who ran away from home uh so you got those fun class dynamics that watanabe always seems to like to pull to like pull out a little bit um, and they form a band together, uh, because again, another thing that Shinichiro Watanabe likes other than class struggle is music. Uh, yeah. I, I think my favorite scene from these first two episodes, and there's a lot of good scenes in these first two episodes, is when they're workshopping their song in Carol's apartment 
Oh, and they're sort yes. of just like humming along, and they're occasionally starting and stopping, and they're um, and their playing doesn't always like they'll play in, in sort of sync for a while. Then one of them will try something, the other one will try something different. Doesn't necessarily mesh, so they'll like try to go and try and go into sync again, and just like having this sort of play that's messy. Because they're just trying to figure out figure out what tune they want as they go along. They have a general idea of what they want, and they're just sort of hammering it out. And that's such a good scene. Well, uh, yes, I, I love that part. My 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 three things out of it, the Tuesday moments were where she was on the train and the goat ate her notebook. Oh yeah, that was good. When she arrives in town and her luggage is well actually when she's leaving the mansion and her luggage has to stop put the feet down and walk down the stairs yeah i like that one too and then she's walking away and she gets tired she's like wait a minute yeah right i can ride it yeah and uh my uh carol moments the 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 one that got i mean she had a lot of moments The, the one that got me the most is when she tried to play the the grieving whatever at the funeral and, oh yeah, and, and just, yeah. And just and just busted out laughing. She, yeah, professional she mourner. She can Yeah, she's a yeah. She gets hired as a professional mourner, but but the problem is is that uh, when she sees the butterfly landing on the priest's head, yep, she can't stop it. laughing. And then my moment that they're joint is when they're sitting there, and, and Carol goes, "So what do you use for money?" and Tuesday takes her phone and brings up this this black platinum card, and she's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, she just has like friggin' Apple Pay with uh, like a yeah the black card with no credit limit on it. She's and, like, "I just use this." And she's like, and, and, and Carol's like, and, and Tuesday goes, "No, no, no! The minute I use it, they'll know where I am." So she's she's has resources, but she's broke. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, because she can't use it without her father figuring out where she mother. is. Mother. Mother, yeah. The, the, and the and mother, like coming together. The mother together. who wants to be governor and is yeah. shooting for whatever. Yes. Um, um, well, and, and then the last, he, the last moment that I liked was at the end of the second episode. Is uh, <clears throat> the indirect introduction of their new manager that they don't know oh. that they have, but they do have now. Where Gus shows up, like yeah. the making possibly the worst first impression possible. Well, he's he, he could actually be the father figure that could actually be a royal pain in the tuchus. So, I mean, that seems to be what he's being set up for. Yeah. But also, like he does not know how to introduce himself properly to two girls living on their own. But, <laughs> like, what, what, I guess we need to back up and what started this whole Gus thing is uh, the girls write a song and the electric piano just isn't enough so uh, Carol says hey I know where we can get to a real piano and Tuesday's like yeah and so they sneak in and start playing on it and this is where Rodney kind of shows up with his phone and starts videoing it and yeah it all it all kind of snowballs in a hurry but we don't know yeah, where they sneak into this yet. like super fancy like um theater a theater hall where uh roddy is setting up for d for a concert by dj ertigan yes um yeah and they just sneak in there and just start playing on the grand piano 
and it's it's a really cool scene. Um, and honestly, like Carol and Tuesday are just like really fun characters, and the music is really good. Um, also, I like that they seem to be setting up Angela as a rival to them. Well, there's, there's because Angela is a person who um, who has seen success, like what Carol you know, wishes she could have. Because Angela is living a pretty good life. It's just that, that you know, she doesn't hers. she doesn't want to do modeling. She doesn't want to do like commercials that are beneath her. And <laughs> like, yet, yeah, and yet what she's doing is she's basically she's basically, you know, instead of yes, instead of being a model, she's uh, going to be singing songs that were written by AIs. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested because it seems like what Watanabe is doing is setting up a um, a conflict between sort of the traditional way of writing music and like doing a commentary on the state of sort of how popular music labels are run and how um, for at least some of these labels how songs are created. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about that, um, because you know while technology has definitely made like great strides in making music making a lot more accessible to people, um, it's it's hard to argue that it also hasn't at the same time made it easier for large corporations to abuse that technology. Well, so. We'll we'll see what he has to say about it. I hope I hope he isn't too facile, but it's Watanabe, so I'm not I'm not too worried. Well, okay, I have some thoughts on that issue actually. Right, because the thing about what's ha- what's been happening in the what's been happening with music is that because is that the spread of the spread of computers the spread of computers into music production has actually democratized music production in a big way. It's made yeah. it much easier to create music for just, like, basically anybody. Anybody at home with a computer... Anybody at home with a computer can make an album. And yeah, they which can, is inarguably they, a good thing, I think. And they can release it on the web. The problem is that even though the production of music has been democratized... What has not is the attention span of the people, which, which means that the what where so where like where the big companies still have an edge is in in basically catching the in catching people's attention and marketing. Yeah, I, I'd say less attention span and more like the what hasn't been democratized is. Um, the the promotional structure just yes. because there there are so many bands out there that it's hard like it is legitimately difficult for me to find new bands I like just because there are so many like where do I even start the search right um, and uh, a, a lot of the services that a lot of people have started to rely on and myself included are things like Pandora or Spotify's Discovery playlist that like take 
what they what they know about songs you already like that you play frequently on their services and their AI algorithms go okay so you like this stuff you might like these other bands too but that also itself relies on those bands being on Spotify or Pandora, Pandora already so even then there's already bands being filtered out by those services that you may like well, and it's a problem that doesn't really have an easy solution. Here's yeah. the other thing is music nowadays compared to music when I was younger, right after the dinosaurs left, um, groups, you know, okay, like Beatles music, you know, if, if Beatles music was pretty much Beatles music until they hit the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band routine and then went on, but a lot of these what, and also and also what helped the Beatles is like being shown on television programs oh yeah, well, yeah. I mean so th- the first social media Ed Sullivan you know yeah um, pretty much <laughs> uh, but some of the groups I've heard they a lot of them are still searching for that sound and they make good stuff and they make uh, not so good stuff now, granted, you know, Beatles made a lot of good stuff. Yes, there was some stuff was bad, but if you rated it on a, on a scale of 10, they were 7.5 to 8 out of 10 on hitting stuff that was listenable to, and it followed their, but some of these newer groups just kind of, well, we'll do this, and we'll do that, and we'll do this, yeah. and we'll do that. And yeah, and like, when you think about it, statistically, I'm sure there's been bands that are have been just as good or even better than the Beatles oh, yes. who simply never got to have that success just due to you know luck of the draw due, yeah, due to circumstance plate, like who plate. they knew or like you know who they were able to meet uh, and, um, and, and Carolyn Tuesday's touching into that because you know through the desire to play a full-size piano they went from basically nobody to almost somebody's and yeah and and even then it fell swoop yeah and even then it wasn't even entirely because i think it's important that the that the show was like well it's not even entirely because of the decision they made roddy just happened to be there too and record the whole thing because if they had just gone in there played the piano and got chased out like probably no one would still really know who they were. Exactly. It's because Roddy happened to be there. So, at, Well, at the end of the first episode, he sees their Instagram post and listens yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, he, Roddy's, uh, so what, what he does is like he, he uploads it and right. then, yeah, and then Gus listens to, just happens to hear the song being played on future YouTube and then he has Roddy look them up, and then that's when Roddy checks finds, the finds her. Uh, inst- yeah, not Instagram, Insta. Inst- well, no, sure. it's Instagram. Well, oh, okay. Do they actually straight up say Instagram yeah. or like in the screenshot? Yeah. Okay, uh, I wasn't sure if like they just shortened it to avoid uh, copyright, but no. Nope. Right. Uh, yeah. In fact, they actually um, made an actual Instagram account for it. That's kind of amazing, actually. I love that. <laughs> I didn't know. In- including actually posting the, the pictures that they showed them taking. That's fantastic. So, uh, I should follow that on Instagram. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, I I like this show a lot. It's it's really fun. It's beautiful. The the songs are great. Um, also, it's apparently written by Aya Watanabe, um, who no I assume is that no relation. She the she the wife of Shinichiro Watanabe. No relation. Or is it just coincidence? It's coincidence. Okay. Yeah, Ben's mumbling. Hmm. I have your album art too, Dustin. Oh, okay. Let's. Uh, what do we got here? Yeah, that is that is good. Yeah. Yeah, the fist bump the was same, good. All the same uh, yeah, I think blanks. I think what makes this show what makes this show as great as it is is comes down to the chemistry between Carol and Tuesday. Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Also, that owl is so good. I almost forgot about the owl. The, owl clock, the alarm clock. Carol's <laughs> owl alarm clock is. Oh, I want that thing. <laughs> it's so adorable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like this is far and away my favorite show this season, and I am extremely excited to watch more of it. Uh, God, I I feel like there was something else I want to say, and it's escaping me now. Okay. Yeah, no, I it's gone. It's 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 all gone. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Carol Tuesday, fantastic. Oh, now I remember. This show is technically set on Mars. It doesn't seem to matter at all. No. <laughs> like, it straight up could just be future Earth. Or it, it could be, you know, it could be Macross floating around in a bubble. I mean, it's it, it's all, it all works no matter where it is. Yeah, I, I think it's just set on Mars because Watanabe likes setting stuff not on Earth. Earth, Earth for some people is boring. Because <laughs> like it, it just it's because their their Mars is terraformed enough enough that it might as well just be Earth two electric boogaloo. But yeah, fives absolutely. Yeah, yes. definitely. Uh, let's talk about Sarazan Mai, uh, a show by the second famous director this season, um, Ikuhara. Yeah. Uh, it is. Definitely an Ikuhara show. Yes. Uh, the premise, from what I can gather, uh, is that, um, you know, these three characters, well, initially two characters, knock over a uh, Kappa statue. Um, the Kappa prince comes out of the statue and recruits them and, like, another dude who is a friend of... Uh, what's his name? The guy who cross-dresses. Uh, no, I think you get... Uh, okay, so the, so, the, so the main characters are, uh, okay, so the guy who cross-dresses is Kazu. Uh, the guy, his friend, who seems to be in love with him, for some reason, who seems to be in love with him, is, uh, Enta. And, uh, the, uh, and the other guy is, uh, Kuji. Okay, yeah, I just looked. Up, I just looked up a Wikipedia page, so I can remind myself here. Uh, but yeah, so they get recruited, forcibly recruited by this Kappa into a sort of extracting desires, um, like uh, uh, like obsessive desires from you know a random human of the week. Uh, 
specifically extracting the desire from their butthole. <laughs> and then uh, through a through a dreamlike sequence that Ikuhara has kind of become known for lately uh, with his sh- modern shows, uh, particularly Penguin Drum and Yuri Bear Storm. Uh, after collecting the desire, the three Kappa humans then... The, the three Kappas then turn back into humans and sort of connect their memories with each other that ties into the B plot of each other, uh, of each episode, to reveal a secret about themselves. Uh, though so far, so far, though, the only person who's had, like, major secrets revealed is Kazuki. Because <laughs> uh, in the first episode, uh, his cross-dressing is revealed, and then in the second episode... It's revealed that he just straight up stole a cat from someone, which seems like a pretty shitty thing to do. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, I. Who th- this show is? This show is tough for me because on the one hand, I like that Ikuhara exists and kind of just gets to do whatever the hell he wants. Um, Cause Ikuhara seems to be a pretty compassionate and empathetic person who does like to make shows um, about marginalized groups. Um, like uh, uh, particularly in the case of Yuri Bear Storm and Utena. Uh and Sarazan Mai definitely even it's it's not going as hard uh, into LGBT themes as Yuri Bear Storm did, but there, as you mentioned, there does definitely seem to be some gay energy in this show. Uh, so I, I I like that Ikuhara exists and he does what he does, but also I tend to just really bounce off his style. <laughs> Um, bounce off that's that's being pleasantly polite uh, and and i think and sar and sarazanmai is definitely doing that even harder than even yuri bearstorm did uh, um right. so i'm not sure if i'll i'll really be able to keep watching it as, as much as i appreciate it animalist blue, uh, i i did what you asked i watched a episode and uh <laughs> you know uh uh, the things I do. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's the thing is that I'm, yeah, I I like Ikuhara because he just doesn't think like normal people. I'll give him but, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, he, there's certainly a lot more of a, an obsession with buttholes in this show than I was expecting there would be, or that I really ever expect to see. Derriers, I think yes. Yeah, I think, uh, right, yeah, right, because, like, you know, he took, he basically latched onto a piece of Japanese folklore and ran with it. Yeah, how how ridiculous can I take Kappa mythology? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Screaming uh, down the hall, yes. Yeah, and, yeah, right, so, like, uh, yeah, all the boxes are Kappazon, are Kappazon boxes, yeah, of yeah. course, because, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just, the, 
That's the main. That's the main thing in this <laughs> universe. Is everything's kappa this, kappa that? All right. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. With Igar shows, it's like he's a nut, and I love him for it. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be along for this ride because it's a trip. Yeah, that seems like the best way to approach Ikuhara shows is just like, this is happening to me now. Well, uh, just, just don't ever marathon it. Um, I, I will say that, like, having watched Sarazan Mai, like, I am starting to wonder if Ikuhara just really likes ballet. Because, and like, stay with me here. Okay, but no, I'm with you. Ikuhara does seem to like having, like, there, there's there's always a narrative, like, a more concrete narrative through line in his shows. But also a lot of his shows lately uh, seem, to be, seem to be taken up by these more dreamlike metaphorical sequences, often musical-based, um, often having a sort of very set ritual about them. Um that represents sort of like a core emotional revelation about the episode. Uh, this happened in Penguin Drum. Yeah, this I happened did. in Yuri Bearstorm. This is now happening in Sarazanmai, where again, you have this ritual, musical, almost dance-like sequence. Yeah, the the uh, transformation sequence it, in Penguin Drum. Yeah, yeah and, and it reminds me a lot of how ballet will often also use this similar structure where you have a concrete narrative but a lot of the important emotional beats are told in the form of dance sequences um and that's actually what it feels like a lot to me so i almost kind of wonder if he is a fan of ballet especially just with how his dance sequences are choreographed. I was going to say, all people have to do is show up in tutus, and then we'll know for sure. Uh, could um, be. I, I mean, heck, like, in, in Penguin Drum, the, the sister's outfit just straight up looked like something that would be in a ballet production. Yep. Uh, so that, that that's my theory, is that Ikuhara just really likes ballet and wants to sort of include that in his anime in some form uh, uh but yeah it's it's not just ballet but i think musical theater as a whole is, yeah he, true he's all over that yeah though it's not it's not quite the same as a musical though like well, it's it's completely different from that and yet there's that whole sequence where the two cops break into song while like groping each other true yes <laughs> Yeah, that that, that is be, true. That must be in the second episode, which I failed, thankfully, to not watch. That that is definitely a, that that did have echoes of Yuri Bear Storm. That's for sure. Um, but I, the, the I, I will say that like Sarazanmai seems to have a more like blunt seems to be more straightforward in what it is trying to communicate because like it's it's very obvious even from episode one that sort of the core through line of this show is going to be like people communicating with each other and how important communication is to 
achieving like a healthy self-actualization and a healthy like resolution of one's desires because like so far the the primary conflicts have been from people having desires and those desires causing conflicts because the people are not communicating their desires properly with the people they trust. That's why everybody is um, outside of the main characters are playing paper figures. Yeah, so it the yeah. I will say Sarazan Mai is this at least at first seems to be a lot more obvious with what it's trying to do than uh Yuri Bear Storm or Penguin Drum were. Especially Penguin Drum, which took a while <laughs> to really be clear of what the hell it was doing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, see, that's one of the reasons I like Ikehara. He's a nut, but he has a compassionate soul. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's, it's why, even though I don't necessarily gel well with his shows, I'm glad that they exist and that he does what he does. I just wish I could enjoy them more. I wonder if he's got a sake vendor for a sponsor. <laughs> I know he might like weed. Well, I which was, was I which was, was something to, that I, I, I believe try, I was trying to say something you know generically neutral you know without yeah, but there's other things which, which is actually sorry go ahead no go you're done sir go ahead oh yeah so I was gonna say like in reference to the to weed like Fabulous Blue pointed this out I, I believe. Um, in, in his tweets, but uh, he actually made a p- good point that it's incredibly rare to actually see drugs portrayed in anime. Um, the tweet specifically says, it's super rare to see drugs featured in anime as anything other than a vague bad thing. So literally showing weed being cultivated and packaged is super bold. Which, that's a good point. Like, I didn't initially, like... It didn't initially ring any bells. It didn't initially, like, set off, like, flags for me. Because I'm just used to American TV where, like, I mean, shit Breaking Bad exists. <laughs> like, See? Well, like there's there's plenty of examples of, of, like, drug culture and production in American yeah. TV. Well, but, so yeah, the, you don't really see it ever in anime. Right. So, well, the, well, you know, the, the context... Japanese have a very, the, the Japanese have a very narrow view of uh, drugs, too. Yeah, they straight up, like, extracted a voice actor from the recent sort of Yakuza-esque game Judgment and are replacing him entirely because of drug possession. Including his character model. Yeah, they are changing the character model. Yeah, I mean, the the Japanese take a a very dim and extremely narrow view of drug usage. I mean, all you have to do is be suspected of it and you could be out of business. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah. It, I so that, a that's two. a good point. I, I give it a two. I'm, I, give, I'm giving it a five. Well, that's your difference in your mental state and mine. I I will give it a four. Um, because even though I'm not sure if I'll continue watching this show, I do think it is a good show. Um. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a four. Um, yeah, I, that's that's all I can really say about it. Uh, 
Isekai, uh, let's move on to Isekai Quartet, episodes one and two, which I did not watch, but I believe Aaron and Larry and Ben all did. A.K.A. anime of the season. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, This show was a blast. I mean, when you get all these characters transported to a world, which is what happens, and then they find out that part of being transported to the world is they now have to go to school together. And then you have the classroom introductions. <laughs> oh, yes. Those classroom introductions. So, yeah. like, is the premise of this show that they're, they're all the Isekai characters are in a high school together? Yes. They, they basically, basically all, through various means, get transported into this high school. So, yeah. Okay, so the S- the Isekai characters get Isekai'd into a high school. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. And, and the big premise is, is it looks like they all got to learn to work together before they can be returned to where they came from. And they are voiced by their original voice actors. And actresses. It's, it's very, very good. It's... And... It, when, when Tanya's group introduces themselves, it just kind of brought back the good old days for me. But yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's the cast of uh, it's the cast of Tanya the Evil, ReZero, Overlord, and Konosuba. Uh, so as a person who doesn't typically watch isekais and who has really only watched tanya and even then had mixed feelings about it would i is there something for me to enjoy in isekai isekai quartet probably not well it's it's funny yeah i I think it's only it's also only 12 minutes an episode so oh okay so it's a it's it's a honda-san type yeah yeah show yeah and and yeah the the animation is like basically cut rate chibi Okay. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's cute, it's funny, and you gotta watch it because there's a lot of little fast one-liners in there that you might have to, you know. Huh? Yeah, it, it would definitely help if you knew the uh, the involved parties, but I don't think it's particularly mandatory. Yeah, like I know I remember a little bit of Overlord, but otherwise, like I don't know shit about ReZero. Uh, yeah, I, I never, I never actually watched ReZero, but I've, you know, caught a bit through Osmosis. Um, I, I think I should watch that, because I like Isekai shows. Yeah, at the very least, they seem to choose, for the most part, I'm not sure about, like, the fourth one, whatever that was called. I, I know about, I vaguely know about ReZero, I watched a little of Overlord, I watched... Konosuba is the best... Oh really? Okay. It's, well, so, because what it because the whole point of Konosuba is it's basically taking all the isekai tropes and parodying them. Okay, so at the very least, they seem to have chosen the to represent the isekais that are at the very least above average. Well, or like at the top of their class in their group. So yeah. there's that. So you're not dealing with characters from the dregs of the genre. Well, also, it also it involves uh, uh, also it involves characters from novels that were published by Kadokawa. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Which is why they picked these particular shows. I gotcha. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. I remember Aaron um, t- 
told me I needed to watch it and then posted the ending uh, theme, which did feature a, you know, very cute pixel art version of some of the characters from the shows. Uh-huh. Very good. I really like it. It just... It is a good ending. There is nothing to talk about it, though. Yeah. It's I, just I, comedy from end to be- from beginning to end. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you, yeah, what do you say yeah. about well, that? Yeah, like, the other... Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. Also, part of part of it is that the people running the schools are also characters from their shows. So, like the I mean, uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> got to do that. Yeah. yeah, the headmaster is the senior general from Tanya's. Uh, the, the one with the mustache and the cigar. Is is the succubus character from Overlord, a like like a student or a faculty member? Uh, which one are you student. talking about? Albedo. Oh yeah, Albedo is. Uh, yeah, she's a uh, she's a student. She's uh, one of. Uh... We've only seen three of the teachers so far. Two are from uh, Tanya's world, and one is from uh, Kono- uh, no Ray Zero. Yeah, it's, yeah that's okay. from Ray Zero. So uh, I'm gonna give them fours because uh, yeah, I enjoyed them. Yeah, I'll give them fives. They're very good. I'm gonna give them fours. All right, uh, I'll probably watch that, and you know, we, we won't do it weekly, but I, I think uh, the Honda-san re- review where we just re- did the whole series worked out pretty well, so we'll probably talk about it once it's over. Yeah. Um, and uh, Aaron, I believe you wanted to briefly talk about a scene you liked from Robihachi, was it? Yeah, or... there there's three others, but Robihachi is the first one. Uh, it wasn't that good. Yeah, um, it but was, it it was most the show was mostly dumb, really dumb. Yeah. However, there is a minute and thirty second scene which I have just posted that is the best part of the episode, and also, okay. yeah. What is this? All right. Oh, well, this is a minute and a half. Uh, really, you really should have shown us this before, so we wouldn't have to spend a minute and a half on dead air. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me guess. It's toward the end of the episode, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know the exact scene. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. I, I do like that they are using diegetic, like, transformation music. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do appreciate that. It's like, yeah, yeah, it, it turns out that, uh, yeah, it turns out the ship that they're escaping in is a combining and transforming mech. With its yeah, this own, is straight up a Voltron. With yeah. its with its own theme music. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Like, what the hell is this music? Yeah, so that was the best part of the entire episode. Yeah, I okay. I, I laughed out loud at that bit. Um, yeah, this is a pretty good transformation theme, actually. I dig this. <laughs> right, it's. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the big problem for, the big problem for me is that Robbie is really obnoxious and I cannot stand it. Hachi I kind of like, but Robbie is annoying as hell. Yeah. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> anyway, so that was a good part of that. Um also the Uh, alright. Uh, next was... Uh, Kono yo no hate de koi wo utao shoujo. Yeah, aka you know. 
Gotcha. So <laughs> this is an adaptation of a old, old visual novel, and one that inspired a lot of other things like Steins Gate, uh, Ever Seventeen, Zero Escape. So I'm guessing there's time shenanigans that happen. Oh, hell yeah, yes. T- timeline, yeah. <laughs> okay, you know a girl who chants love at the bound of this world. That is a hell of a title. Yeah, well, I just posted a screenshot from the actual original game. To, to give you an idea as to how old this is. Oh, yeah, that is that is one of the early yeah, PC 96. visual novels. Dang. Anyway, um... So it seems to be an interesting mystery, um, and I think my favorite part about it is that the main character is just openly kind of horny, and it's very easy to tell that it was an adult visual novel, <laughs> because there's there's pretty ladies everywhere, and it's it's also implied that he had already banged one of the uh, teachers slash secretaries. Okay. Sure, why not? Yeah, and uh, he's in the he's in the process of getting a he's uh, I think he's on the verge of getting it on with the stepmother too. That, that'll yeah, be, yeah, that'll be something. Okay. Yeah, so th- there's a stepmother, there's a Sundere uh, classmate, there's the yeah, lecturer the secretary, um, there's the mysterious elf girl, of and I think that's all they've introduced so Is far. Is there a shrine maiden? There's got to be a shrine maid. Oh, right? yeah. I, I, I don't. They haven't revealed if she was a shrine maid or not, but I'm pretty sure she is. Okay, yeah. Because she I'm has the, I, the haircut style. I'm glad I still remember my classic arrow gauge ropes. <laughs> yeah. So I got got to get all got to get all the you know types in there. Well, that's the thing is that this thing <laughs> this thing is pretty much pretty much the origin of all these things. Yeah. That this is one of the big ones and it's another one of those things where it's just like there, there's no good way to adapt this yeah also is one of those where it's like what do you mean they're adapting it yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like somebody, that's that's not gonna pro- end well somebody at a project woke up and said wait a minute we're, do- we're doing this also apparently it's going to be available on the switch in japan yeah they so in 2017, they re-released the game, an updated version of the game, and they're going to be putting it on Switch, and it's actually going up on Steam. Oh, wow, yeah, um, these are totally updated CGs. Yeah. yeah. So, that's going to be interesting, and... Why I, is there I, an I, elf? <laughs> I assume that's about a spoiler. It. Because you have to have yes. an elf. Because elves are hot. Yes, Well, elves yeah, are hot. I know, but... <laughs> Hey, hey, Dustin, guess guess how much clothes she's wearing when she appears. Naked, to totally naked, I assume. Yes, and guess right. what the first thing she does to the main character is. Uh, hug him? More. Enchant Kiss him. him. Yes, there you go. All right. She's an enchantress. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so you, you got that going. What else? There was one more you were talking about. Yeah, so I I really liked it, and I'm immediately stopping watching it. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I'm I, I decided to just read the the uh, read the, the game itself, so I don't want to have it spoiled, and it's very likely that the adaptation is not going to do it justice. Yeah, so that seems fair. Like, those types of games are always pretty tricky to update. 
to not update, adapt. Yeah, also into a more linear medium. The uh, <laughs> the script is ridiculously long. Oh, um, to the point of long in the sense of like fate stay night long where uh nasu just doesn't know when to stop describing something or long as in it's just dense uh long as in word count oh okay mm. <laughs> uh let me see if i can find it because um, like because like, like a long a lot of word count isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just for the most part, it seems like most visual novels with a lot of word count do not use those word counts appropriately. <laughs> okay, so um, to give you an idea, the Bible is approximately 1 million words. All right. This is 1.3 million. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so Homestuck is still larger, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but oh god, this sounds way too long to way too long to make into twenty six episodes. Yes, yeah, that's why uh-huh. I don't know why they're doing it, and I'm not going to watch it till after I finish it. So I don't know. It's it's very very weird. Anyway, that's for your history lesson. All right. Uh, so how about Mayonaka no Occult Kamui? Kamui. And I've seen I've seen this I've seen this one as well. It's it's good. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. Essentially, it's about them dealing with uh, they're called another's, but they're basically like different kinds of yokai and and monsters and whatnot. Um, And the first episode, or what it seems to be setting up for, is them basically solving disputes between them. Okay, so so not really action focused, more mushishi esque. Um. Yes and no, because uh, the humans, for the most part, can't really fight them. Oh. <laughs> um, like like their best <laughs> weapon is like a uh, like stink bombs, basically. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, but I, I think I think it's definitely worth watching the first episode at least. Um, All right, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Also, it has cute angels reading magazines. <laughs> and yeah, and sure. and the main character is actually smart. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, I always appreciate that. There must have been an error in the AI writing. Program. Yeah, it's basically it's basically like yeah. First episode is first episode is the main character basically. Dad, yeah, don't reveal the thing. You know, he gets recruited into this organization that police that basically polices disputes between various various species of various species of supernatural creatures and yes. yeah and 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 he helps out yes <laughs> anyway yeah, I'll, I'll i'll watch the first episode so aaron doesn't have to yell at ben to tiptoe around spoilers <laughs> Yes, I yeah, wasn't gonna. Uh, I wasn't actually going to spoil anything. I was just okay. I was just making sure. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> I was just explaining the basic premise. Uh, did anyone have uh, other shows they'd like to briefly mention? Nope. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Well, let's see. I saw the first episode of uh, Bokutachi wa Benkyo ga Dekenai, or We Never Learn, and I think I'm gonna stick to the manga. Okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I like the first two episodes of that, so. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he's, I mean, he's in, let's see. Since, especially since the, the childhood friend swimming star showed up, you know, this could be interesting. Uh, let's see, yeah. Also yeah, saw, there's also, also saw the first episode of Mix, but. You know, and I liked it, but then again, I generally like most of Adachi's work, so... Yeah, I I was planning on watching one of the baseball animes, most likely, uh, uh, I think it's Cinderella 9? I did watch, I did, I I also watched that, it's okay, it's basically, uh, structurally, it's it's a club show. Okay, would you say Mix is probably the better option? Well... Or are they roughly similar, just, or roughly the same quality, but, like, different tones? I think Mix is probably better overall. All right. But, you know, uh, Cinderella 9's not bad. Uh, Yeah, don't bother with Ace of Diamond unless you've seen, like, the whole first season. Um, Yeah, I wasn't planning on, because, like, I don't don't have enough time or desire to catch up with with uh, to watch all the previous season i mean it's so really, i was just considering giving one of the other baseball anime a shot yeah it's it's really but, good but it's long uh all right and senryu shoujo is good I, yep. it's good but like it, it was good but i think the manga is still better if only because it kind of ruins it part of it with her speaking or rather, her having a voice. Yeah. Right, because, because yeah, because the thing is, yeah, because the whole her whole thing is that she's like so like the main character is so socially awkward she can't talk, so she communicates by basically writing, by basically writing little uh, seventeen syllable poems on a, uh, you know, on a uh, on a on like a a, a a strip of or, or white a whiteboard or whatever. And, okay, and you know, but you know, but what happens is, is in the show, in the show, whenever she writes one of those, you know, whenever she writes down a scenario, uh, it's voiced by Hanakana. Kind of, yeah, kind of Hanazawa, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like kind of brought it down. Yeah, it seems weird if you're gonna make a show about a mute person that you would give them a voice even if by proxy like she's she's not mute she's just so socially awkward she doesn't know how to speak in public yeah oh, but i mean the, even, it's even effectively still, that yeah uh, that seems yeah, like a just, strange decision well there's a lot of anyway. things, strange things going uh, on in there. also okay so I, I also saw kono oto tomare <clears throat> which oh yes actually Actually, quite interesting, because because what it's about is basically about it's basically about a guy who's like who's sort of like a delinquent. He's a delinquent who's basically trying to get past a life of violence by uh, you know by taking part in by taking part in uh, the koto club, which is basically playing this traditional Japanese instrument. Yeah. Which is surprisingly similar to uh, Senryu Shoujo. Uh, oh yeah, because uh, yeah, what's great about Senryu Shoujo, you know, and even the anime doesn't bring this down, is uh, is the uh, is the relationship between 
you know, between the main character, like this, you know, girl who only who only who only communicates with Senryu, and this delinquent guy who joins her club. You know, but you know, even though he's like not a bad guy, but he has like this really mean-looking expression on his face, so everybody is scared of him. You know, and you know, so he's basically, you know, he's so he's basically pigeonholed as a delinquent. Even though he's even though he's pretty nice if you get to know him. Okay. But you know, but yeah, you know, but the main character likes him just fine, and they're like, you know, and they get along swimmingly, and it's really sweet. It is very very adorable. I highly recommend the manga or anime. Uh, it, it's but yeah, what actually the thing uh, Kono Oto Tomare reminded me of. It reminded me of this old manga that I'd read called Ocha Nigosu, which was which had the same basic, the same basic thing except the club that he the club that the delinquent joins in order to, you know, get past this get past this life of violence is the tea ceremony club. You know, and like the president of the tea ceremony club is like kind of skeptical of him and is like, you know. And so the whole the whole process is, is is you know him like you know learning to you know repress his you know repress his violent impulses and you know the you know and the and the tea ceremony club uh, president like learning to trust him and trust that he's turned over a new leaf. Uh, but anyway, it's been a while since I read that. It's been a while since I read uh. that one, but. Uh, but but yeah, but so. it had an interesting parallel with Kono Oto Tomari. Neat. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying those shows. I, I think um, I don't tend to be super up on uh, super down on melodramas, so I think I'll probably stick with mostly what I've already been watching. Because um, like, man, I've got so much other stuff that I want to watch. Oh. I still need I still need to watch. Uh, Zombieland Saga. Uh, Aaron, did you have something else you want to mention? Yeah, uh, Senru Shoujo is also a short. Oh, okay. Oh, alright. Maybe I'll yeah. give it a shot then. Um, also, the... there's no melodrama in it at all. No. Oh, okay. It, it is just adorable sweetness. Alright, it sounds like a show that could have melodrama. Nope. nope. Uh, so, I think for our no. um, definitely... normal reviews each... Yeah, d- uh, okay. Definitely avoid Nobunaga Sensei no Osanazuma. Which is also a short, but it's terrible because okay, it's about yes, it's about a teacher, a you know a high school teacher, a high school teacher who uh, who basically awakens the uh, who who sort of somehow awakens uh, Nobunaga the uh, the wife of the original Nobunaga who is a fourteen year old girl. Uh, uh, <laughs> so it's a magical girlfriend with an adult man and a teenage girl, and so so basically Dustin's perfect show. And the girl is totally hot to trot, and the guy's like, you know, oh, even though God. he's like he's like he's definitely he's interested in her, but he is. You know, you don't have I'm to describe more of it. Yeah. yeah also, yeah, yeah, they censored the naughty bits, but not as cleverly as they did in Shimonetta, so that's a dead loss. God, 
All right. Well, <laughs> I wasn't planning on watching that already, but now it's on my extremely not watch list. Um, I think we're probably going to stick with One Punch Man, Fruits Basket, Fairy Gone, and Carol on Tuesday for our typical reviews. That sounds good. On the podcast. Does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. That sounds good. I can work with that. All right. Cool. Uh, so. That'll be it for this episode of BakaCast. I don't no, think. No. I probably should have checked beforehand nobody, to see if we had nobody, any uh, comments. Not it, yet. Nobody said anything important. No. All right. Uh, I will probably. I need to start remembering to like ask people in in Twitter for questions. That's probably that a good thing because I need to get going soon because Passover is about to start. And yeah. I need fair. to. We, I need. You, to, I need to make the matzo balls. Yeah, you've got like six minutes before you got to do stuff. So uh, that'll be it for this episode of BakaCast. As always, you can uh, send us comments or questions at uh, projectharhi.net or at uh, audioentropy.com. Or you can tweet at me at GM, And you can tweet at me at DeathSlinky. Yawn. And uh, you can email me and Larry at BakaCast at projectharhi.net if you want. Um, ben. Nothing. Three. Two, one, kill